Hello and welcome back to Podcasting as Practice. I'm David, my pronouns are he and him. I'm James, my pronouns are they and them. I'm Jamie, my pronouns are he and him. I'm Rob, mine are he and him. And I'm Alistair, and my pronouns are also he and him. Full house, and we are joined by a very special guest, Phil Button Cartledge. Hello, I'm Phil, and I'm he and him as well. How are you doing, Phil? Are you, are you glad to be on this wonderful um, tech pioneering podcast that's well, definitely <laughs> not fell apart four times before we started recording? Well, you know, on the, on the day that uh, the, the United States government announced the breakthrough uh, in terms of fusion reactions, we've got received ignition. <laughs> I think, you know, it's, it's really, you now I've done a bit of pioneering myself. This is my first time ever on Discord. So in that spirit, I'm very glad to be here with you. We're fellow pioneers. <laughs> we love to be the podcast that breaks new ground. Yeah. yeah. All, all we're saying breaks. is give us the keys to the fusion reactor. Yeah, <laughs> we promise we won't do anything funny at CERN. Um, so, Stick a pepper armor just... in the Large Hadron Collider, things of that nature. Watch it magically transform into a small plate. You wouldn't just fire your keys around that for a laugh at one point, wouldn't you? Oh, I can't, just, just a just lot, like... lot of British journalists chasing after them down the pipe. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Right, Rob, do you want to um, kick us off? What, what have we got first? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so first things first, I thought briefly because i like to keep an eye out on uh you know people who are, who are on my list um is uh, the re- recent goings on uh with therese coffee uh, previously of the uh, dwp under a couple days on the list trust and now shunted previously over to-, to that from hell itself Yes, and previously our winner of, uh, I think, Worst Tory for uh, when we did our last uh, awards show. Um, or Worst A hard one award, that was, one. Um, most antibiotics shared with friends. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so previously she was an absolute monster over at the DWP, and now it turns out, shockingly, that she is a monster at DEFRA as well. Um, so, you know, if you didn't know, food prices are, uh, going up massively, uh, and is, as is the huge demand for food banks. Um, but there was a big... Phototrophs may not know this. (laughs) Uh, yeah, if if you don't consume food, uh, right in. Um, but a recent report came out that said that, like, farmers are also making, like, less than ever from the stuff they make, even though the prices are much higher than they used to be. Um, the, the calculation was roughly that they were making less than uh, a penny's worth of profit uh, in terms of every loaf sold in the supermarket. So if you buy one for like a quid or something, the farmer will get less than a penny's worth of that. There's similar stories in terms of eggs, uh, cheese, uh, sort of the big commodities that you buy in the supermarket. Um, now, of course, that's partly because of energy prices, which are a huge factor in uh, final food prices. Um, but if farmers aren't making the money and a lot of them are going bust and the consumers are paying high prices, well, somebody's making money in the middle, like they have to. And essentially, the people making money in the middle is, of course, the traders, the supermarkets, or the processors who are making the real money while they do very little of the actual risky stuff, which is to grow and produce the food that we all have to eat. 
But according to Therese Coffey, this is essentially all just fine. Uh, that supermarkets are actually doing really good work at competing for consumer business. So we shouldn't be worried about it. And farmers should just <laughs> shut their mouth. Yeah. And, I the raison d'etre of the supermarket is to just compete against other businesses, not to fucking feed people. Fucking. <laughs> that socialism. The, the feeding people is just a byproduct of um uh, you know of the of the competition thing i think i think that's how like the tories are genuinely seeing it at the moment mm. but at least you know in the spot of good news they have cancelled that weird plan that was a thing under trust for a couple of days where they said actually we don't like farmland and it should be more filled with um solar panels or oh no it was the other way around they were like mm. no if you if you have farmland you shouldn't be allowed to put solar panels on it because we want more food security which was just bizarre, essentially. Uh, but yeah, yeah, she also... You can just grow the food under the panels, can't you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I seriously, mean, I've seen that where they, they have, like, farms where they have the solar panels and then underneath is, like, actual food being grown. Maybe. It depends on the crop and it yeah. depends on your latitude and sunlight exposure. In countries where it's very sunny, then you can absolutely do that. I don't know how that holds up for the UK. I mean, um, you can just grow fucking mushrooms or something oh uh, yeah i was literally gonna say you can do mushrooms that's not a problem yeah. truffles there you go rob yeah there you go yeah exactly well i mean you can farm black truffles so i suppose you could no, no, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry i said the tea but i shouldn't yeah. have said fucking truffles <laughs> <laughs> we, we I love mean, to have the... a rob centric economy don't we <laughs> <laughs> an economy that just produces fancy treats for fancy lads isn't that kind of what we're edging toward anyway? So edging, I think we're like up to the hill. No, right here now. we go. We no, here we, go. no, here we do not go. Here we do not go. Move on. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, she also, in the same hearing, uh, uh, she also said that it wasn't the role of the government to prov provide free food. So I don't, you know, apparently the role of the government is neither to provide free food nor to protect anybody from the vagaries of the marketplace, which is just, it's I mean, really she's good. She's right in the, the earbud sense, like there's no rule that says the government has to provide free food. That's just a question of what happens when you've got people that are actually hungry, I suppose. Hopefully they storm like the Houses of Parliament and leave ev leave every single person in there. The nice thank you note. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, the other thing I want to talk about before uh, we get to to the main topic um, is um, it's a the great success of Labour's last week's uh, big business conference at the uh, at Canary Wharf and what was said there. Um, I'm hearing that Labour is back in business. In fact, they that's are. all I've been fucking hearing for about three years. They are. It's the same same slogan was repeated a number of times by, you know, uh, well-connected Labour insiders or, or some other such euphemism. Mm. But I do think it's important to, like, you know, it's it's good to get a heads up of what's really going on with the new Labour, new, new Labour Party as it talks to its real constituency, self. which is people... Sorry? It talks to itself. Yes. Well, and it talks to people with a lot of money because they want to get some of it. Uh, the platinum sponsorship tier uh, was £25,000. <laughs> the Labour Party brought to you by NordVPN. Yeah, do you get um, do you get bonus clips with that? Almost. Was it like a Christmas raffle or something they did one year where it was like your, if you donated like £250, you got put into a raffle to like get a signed copy of 
a speech by Starmer as well as yes. uh, like yes, a dinner was. with, with, with oh, some some absolutely <laughs> like horrendous shit for the, the princely Starmer I, I that can't. was on offer. I can't imagine the kind of Luke Akehurst emotes you unlock with that tier of subscription. They should just do like a good old. Why? What happened to the meat raffle? You know, like why can't they just do that again? Like a pheasant raffle they're or something. A, they're like. a political party, Rob. Not a, not a pub with a flat roof. <laughs> also, to be fair, they are technically selling a ham. <laughs> Feel. Um, but yeah, uh, in, in terms of, of getting bonus clips, uh, Jamie, you're not far wrong. Um, it, it would mean that people talking on stage would like have to break character for a moment and like uh, do sponsorship plugs for you. So I think like at a certain point, it'd be like the Truman Show where they just like turn to camera and just go, you know. <laughs> this lovely banking product was bought to me by HSBC, a full service bank that I very much love. By the way, did you know that I like to traffic in the money made by cartels when they sell cocaine? <laughs> <laughs> Brought to you by HSBC. Could, yeah. could you imagine for a moment if, if you like, you know, you, you hand over your your twenty five grand or your twenty grand or whatever, and you go and meet like a shadow cabinet member of your choice? How insuffering, insufferably crawling and obsequious they would be! Like, oh, you're such a great wealth creator. You know, I mean, I was thinking about Wedge Street, and so before they even opened their mouth, I already thought <laughs> crawling and creepy. Well, I mean, he's he's just a by you know he's a byword for all everything that is wrong in the Labour Party. Imagine, imagine oh, yeah. you're a private healthcare like investor, and you give the the, the Labour Party twenty five grand, and then like you you get to meet Wedge Street, and then when you shake his hand, it's sticky. <laughs> <laughs> for twenty four grand, you get you unlock the will be serenaded by Wes Streeting tier, and for twenty five grand, you don't get that. Um, Labour really know how to play to their strengths. <laughs> But yeah, you only have to pay 20000 to get a meeting uh, uh, of your choice with a member of the Shadow Cabinet, which is just, I mean, it, it's very oh, much in line. bring love into that meeting. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've been in a room where, uh, where Rachel Reeves once gave an after-dinner speech. My condolences. Yeah. And she, and she told a joke, and as you can imagine, it was, you know, she doesn't have the most, how should we say, inspiring or human of cadences. But this, it was just, it was awful, you know, just awful, awful. And, but, and, and she was trying to be funny then. Can you imagine if she's trying to be businesslike? It must be. But I was, I was assured, I was assured by the new statesman that Rachel Reeves was a great communicator. Mm. Did you, did she tell the same joke story thing that Keir Starmer likes to fall back on, which is about a, a mix up with rooms at a hotel? Because I swear <laughs> that's the only fucking like. That's scare quote human ever. anecdote that they have in the shadow cabinet at the moment. No, she told a joke about the Liberal Democrats. <laughs> oh, what was that? Um, <laughs> digging for low hanging fruit. Well done. <laughs> was it? Um, which was it? David Cameron, who was Tory leader, and someone got slow clapped during a speech or something and then I don't know if it was Cameron that got slow clapped and someone else kept making jokes about it or the other way around but there was some like dipshit just kept turning up on the news and talking about how their opponent couldn't like tell the difference between applause and a slow clap and I think I saw like eight different clips of them saying that and it was it was just like Jesus Christ who told you this was a good line <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh god it must be yeah just 
hauling essentially i mean but the, the whole thing is of course like part of a like bigger swap out that they've been running for like essentially since star Galdin, but you know since they've just literally said yeah we don't actually want union money or union backing anymore we're just going to get like more corporate donations because that means everything you know that means we're on the side of of business in all in all the sense of the word but you know the people in the audience uh, uh, did get did get what they wanted to hear, which is for one, Rachel Reeve saying uh, she wouldn't commit to saying that like nurses would get more money from a Labour government, uh, which sort of follows up from West Streeting this week, saying that the BMA and I think by extension the NHS needs more of a can-do attitude, which I just found oh like my fucking god on fire. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Didn't mean to interrupt you there. <laughs> no, no, no. That was essentially my point. Like, it was well made. <laughs> no, just absolutely incredible. Um, and also, Starmer said it could guarantee that they would repeal like uh, minimum surface laws that are about to be put on the books. You know, like mandating by law a certain amount of minimum service, like trains and stuff. Although, hilariously, <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw it. The, um, Earlier this week, they were asking some, I think it was the former army chief of staff or something, um, about whether or not, you know, how, how, how the army was going to step in and, like, become yeah, a nurse and drive trains that. and all that stuff. That's so good. Did, you, did everybody see this? Incredible. They, like, essentially he said, look, the army's also just getting a 4% under inflation pay rise, so I'm not sure whether, it's a, whether or not it's a good idea to ask the army to do more things. <laughs> Imagine, imagine the fucking like cognitive whiplash this island would get if if our brave lads went on strike. <laughs> <laughs> it is it is uh, uh, darkly amusing, which I, f- I feel like whenever we talk about the Labour Party, it is just ends up being darkly amusing. Uh, the fact that we are talking about a Labour Party that is like you know astronomically ahead in the polls, and presumably the people who were saying. Oh, they need to. They need to say that they're going to do uh, or not going to do anything for anyone because uh, then they can. Uh, the turn of phrase was keep them give keep the surface area for attack as narrow as possible. It's like they're they're now like, you know, head and shoulders ahead of the Tories in the polls, and they're still going on these fucking lines about you get nothing, fuck you, lick my boot, vote for us. Like, that's it. That's it's all clear. they've got on offer. And that is what the fucking Labour Party is now. Well, pretty much always yeah. has been. My favourite part about all this is how like they finally did actually make 20 points ahead. It lasted, like, a, a few days. And yeah. so they started slipping because the Tories just decided, just put Rishi Sunak back in the house. Just put him inside. Nobody has to see him. But Starmer's not got the message, so everybody's just seeing this prick and directing all their ire towards him. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that Labour is like approaching this from a perspective of how can we be like a stealth bomber party, just have a low profile as possible to radar, <laughs> just not be picked up by anyone, have no policies that anyone can like in any way, shape, or form detect. We just want the average voter James, to glance read, off us. You've read far too much into their stealth bomber policy yeah (laughs) and also james in this analogy is the uk like a yemeni wedding or something (laughs) (laughs) oh that one was too dark for me rob god damn oh i mean it might as well be that's what they should do to raise funds though is like you know like the bomb more weddings where you can pay no where you can pay the ukrainians to like video drone strike on the russians like oh you yeah, pay, you pay like a certain amount of money on the on the fucking like Ukrainian military Patreon, and then they like 
But you, they blow up a they blow up a Russian house. But you, you can do that the already. Of, like, the missile going in the window. Oh, you can new Labour photo I'm fucking kidding. You can. There's new- there's some Patreon out there where you can. Um, like get your name or like a message to Putin written on the side of like a, yeah. a, a, a oh, Ukrainian. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Like, and if they miss, they'll like keep they'll keep trying with more missiles until they get a sufficient body count to like slate your bloodlust. Right. So there's going to be you know a new I mean? Labour photo op where Keir Starmer's holding a PlayStation controller, and then it's going to cut to like a vid- one of those like grayscale f- videos of like an AC-130 just like gunning down various houses. Mm. Yeah. The houses will uh, be in the, the red wall. Are back. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, one final thing from this uh, Labour conference, because it leads quite uh, nicely into our main topic, um, and also why, why Phil is here on Discord for the first time, is um, so the big thing that they announced is they want to have, uh, right as like the tech bubble is imploding and you know money is expensive again, um, Britain needs to become startup nation. That's the thing uh, that's going to be, uh, you know, innovation is going to be the thing that saves Britain. And the way they're going to do that is more tax relief for investors in startups, um, as well as how much can be invested for, and, and, and like you can get tax rebates on. Um, it's also uh, crypt- crypto is a pretty big element of that, is it not? Uh, it can't, I mean, you know, not all, not all startups are crypto. I think it's only like 80% or something. <laughs> a, mere <laughs> <laughs> a, a mere most of them. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, they'll they'll be helped uh, uh, this time by the university sector who uh, is becoming, who, let me read from, this is from like some of their briefing materials. A Labour government should publish annually a dashboard summarizing each university's offer to spin outs and metrics of each university's spit out success. So, you know, spit outs are essentially a university has a good idea and then they commercialize it and that's called a spin out. Like they, they use the pattern in a commercial sense. And it's just like, well, what if we just, we have this research sector and what if we just commercialized more of it? You know, like that that would be good. And the the, de- the thing they're citing as like an actual example of that being good is the Oxford Astra, uh, AstraZeneca vaccine. You know, just oh, for fuck's like, sake. Mm. <laughs> Something that was a horrendous idea from its inception, fucking doing a private partnership on a fucking vaccine of all things, thanks to Sir Billiam Gates. Uh, but yeah, this sort of leads us nicely into uh, tonight's main topic because uh, I know I wasn't on last week, James, when you made the casual joke uh, when you guys briefly talked about the um, the constitutional reform paper um, that Gordon Brown and his compatriots wrote. And you said, well, you know, we're going to do some highlights because obviously Rob's not on to read 150 pages. Well, Rob's back and me and Phil have read 155 <laughs> pages of the, the Labour constitutional reform paper. It's uh... <laughs> uh, cool. Like, you're Rob, and that's why I drink. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the, the reason I want to talk about it is, like, I think it's an interesting... I do think the document itself, like, if you sort of leave the political stuff and what's being said about it afterwards, uh, what's been going on, I do think, like, the, 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 sort of the philosophical angle they're trying to take and how they're trying to fix Britain, quote-unquote, is sort of an interesting way of going about it um and i know phil when we were briefly talking about it earlier that like at first i thought this is just you know uh, uh leveling up but with a red coat of paint on it but i will agree with you that it's like slightly more than that yeah i think um i mean firstly it's 
it's guided entirely by technocratic concerns. So it's, this is not some sort of, you know, we're going to hand power back to the people. It's not being sold like that at all. It's, it's basically fully within the bounds of capitalist realism. And what I, you know, yes. I wrote a blog post on this recently. And um, what I argue is what Starmer's doing here is if effectively trying to create a new political economy for Britain or, or what we call in the in the jargon, a new regime of accumulation. Because his idea is the state should intervene more in the economy as per, you know, the, the Keynesian uh, state of old that some old Labour types get nostalgic about. But even that state was quite centralised. So what he wants to do is obviously have a kind of a, a national overview, a national strategy but also allow local councils and local authorities uh, be you know, authors of their own destiny. So they can be like little, main, mean, uh, little Keynesian fiefdoms who invest locally in their, uh, you know, in their particularly dynamic sectors of their economy. You know, the report identifies somewhere around the region of 280 economic clusters up and down yes. the, the land. And so the, Gordon Brown's big idea is if you decentralize everything and give local councils the kind of power that they need and the money that they need that can't be clawed back by central government then you'll start to see all these local authorities starting to invest in their local economies and over a period of time everything will be better and i mean on paper from a again from a standpoint of of economic growth under a capitalist model that doesn't address any of the kind of power imbalances inherent to the wage wage and labor and capital relationship Seems like a good idea. You know, wonks would love it. Yeah. It creates new careers for wonks, new think tanks. You know, it's going to be <laughs> a golden age for anyone who's uh, who's into policy, basically. I mean, the best case, like the best case scenario here, however, is that these, assume, again, assuming the best case scenario, like Labour councils are implementing mm. whatever changes it is that this would allow them to do. It would still be fucking Labour councils who I think we have a pretty broad understanding on what yes. your average Labour council is like. And I mean, yeah. is that it, good? I think Question the, mark? The, I think the assumption underlying it, because one, you know, I live in Stoke-on-Trent and I've been in the Labour Party now for 13 years. Uh, one of the kind of like old soaks in the local party was very right wing and, you know, probably the nearest to evil I've ever met, a former Labour councillor <laughs> and member of the European <laughs> Parliament as well. <laughs> but he... Oh, yeah, no, yeah, no, that, that's, that's, that's the nearest to evil. You can't be truly evil and be in the European Parliament. That's like Diet Coke evil. <laughs> but he always used to moan about the quality of the councillors that were coming through because... They used to say, you know, you live in Stoke-on-Trent. If you've got anything about you, there's nothing, there's no opportunities around here, which is partly true. And you go off to another place. So, you know, here I am living in Stoke-on-Trent and I work in Derby. You know, there, you know, I'm the living instantiation of what he was talking about. But the thinking, I think what Starmer's thinking is that if you give local authorities proper power, you know, a real chance to do something, then those kind of those educated types, you know, people like Keir Starmer and Wes Streeting, will be more yes. interested in getting involved in local government because then they'll be able to make a difference. They'll be able to kind of, you know, go to all the right parties, be in the paper for all the right reasons and do all the sexy stuff and kind of hang around wearing hard hats on building sites. And I think that is the thinking behind it. You know, they'll be able to attract a new layer of graduate types into the cadre of official councildom. 
uh, that will then feed through into members of parliament as well. You'll have people who are technocratically minded will then feed through into the PLP, locking out the left forever. But, you know, making sure that you've actually got MPs who are centrist, but actually know a bit about policy, know a bit about how the world works, as opposed to some of the dullards yeah. on the parliamentary it's, party it's at the moment. They're trying to... It's a bit about trying to build, like, uh, bridge that gap, you know, about the, the trite thing that people say about politics is, oh, you know, they're just professionals now. There's no more people who have, I don't know, uh, experience of running a quick fit or something. You know, there's no more. <laughs> it's all technocrats now. And with this way of doing it, you can be both and a technocrat and you can wear your hard hat at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. And so I can imagine that. You know, you come at with lots of universities, you know, lots of universities are interested in what they call graduate retention, i.e., you know, making sure that their graduates stick around in the local area where they did their degrees. And that's particularly the case in, you know, down at hill areas like Stoke-on-Trent or places like Bradford and, and, and so on, because the idea is graduates stick around, they'll create their own jobs or they'll get better paid jobs and then their spend will be in the local economy. And so if you have a yeah. local authority that actually does a lot of economic planning, that'll create loads of jobs for local graduates, and they will kind of see their future in a kind of technocratically minded Labour Party. I mean, yeah. I think it was... And, and this is... I was going to Sorry, say, Phil, go. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think it was uh, Clement Attlee who kind of observed, or it might have been, oh, I can't remember, it was one of the Labour folks from 1945 who believed that by expanding the, the capacity of the state after the war, it was able to attract cadres of middle class types who were dedicated to social engineering and making the country a better place. You know, and that kind of the scope of the state and the possibility of planning attracted the best from graduate dumb and from middle class professions. And I think this is what Starmer's aiming for. I feel like the chief, like the, just you know, again, talk, we're talking about Labour councils here who. It seems that their chief export is selling public land to private developers <laughs> to sit on. So yes. doing that with a higher level of education. So doing that more efficiently sounds like it's going to have great outcomes. <laughs> I mean, one of my huge problems with this piece, and, and I, I agree it's more filled in, but certainly the first couple of chapters and the initial thought about it has is this sort of, it reminds me of you remember in 2019 when we had the shitty elections and like we had all the uh, or it was 2017 uh, where all the journalists like they left London and they went on like Red Wall Safari and they did the same thing, uh, you know, post Brexit. They went to all the leave constituencies and, you know, they found out and, and hang on for a big shocker here that outside London, a lot of people are poor and unhappy. And it's just like. They're doing this again, you know, and it's 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 uh, uh, a lot of its thinking. I th I'm fairly sure comes from Lisa. Is it Lisa Nandy's think tank, the thing for towns and cities? I'm fairly sure. Almost that's certainly. Yeah. So it it's just, be. It's if it's got town and city, yeah, yeah, that's just got Lisa Nandy written all over it. Yeah, yeah, because she's the towns, towns, towns person. Lisa um, Nandy has mm. her own council because she is herself a town. <laughs> <laughs> Weirdly enough, it's her mother and father who are the councillors. Um, <laughs> 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 um, so yeah, so like for me, it's just like it, it's that, and it's to me this whole like, oh, we need to, uh, you know, Britain is a highly centralized government. It's like, 
again that's those are not new observations like everybody has said this i think even if you read like the forward to the boris johnson leveling up thing they say the 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 same thing um but now the new invention once again seems to be and this is like it, it is like being in 1997 all over again it's like now the thing that we need to do is localize more devolve power to where it, it, it needs to reside and then let that power i.e councils or, or metropolitan mayors or, or some other layer because they do propose like even more layers of government in this thing in some ways which i don't which they don't fully flesh out so it's kind of hard to grasp but essentially that like we would just have more letting agents but this time the letting agents would like have more power to raise taxes essentially so like for me it's it if this was the result of the big think, all of it is is just the same thing that we've been doing for the last 20 years or, or be trying to do. Or I don't know, maybe I'm being too negative about it, Phil. Um, I mean, the problem with Keir Starmer, of course, is that because he's reneged on so many of his promises previously, you don't know what he's going to actually implement and what he isn't. But I think it's... I mean, he said that this is going out to consultation now amongst party members. Yes. and that So whatever comes back will be... You know, they'll be, you know, ready to, you know, day one Labour government will hit the ground running and, you know, the spades will be in the ground and, you know, all of this stuff will, will kick off more or less straight away. We're not going to be talking about it. We're going to be doing it. Um, but because it is couched in technocratic terms, in capitalist realist terms, I don't think there's really any danger of, of Starmer not doing this because he's not, well, he's talking about balancing out things um like for giving local power to local people effectively um again it's not challenging the capital labor relationship he's not promising to reverse no. austerity that has been visited on uh, local councils over the last 12 years i mean uh, you know I, when i before i read this i went back to the 2019 manifesto you know the promises in the 2019 manifesto about local government was basically give all the councils uh, their money back so he's not offering them anything it's it's sort of within that kind of neoliberal purview of you know we've you know previous governments have asked you to be entrepreneurial but now we're going to give you the tools that will enable you to be so yes and now now the the yeah the councils but again it sort of reside it still resides on the exact same model mm -hmm. that certainly since 97 but i think probably earlier than that is you know it's it's they keep relying on the public-private model mm. where, you know, the public sector, more empowered at the local level, will give, um, you know, certain levels of certainly financial guarantees to sort of incentivize businesses to come to these places. And these places yeah. this time are not just like the anywheres. They are these what you were referencing at the start. They are these... Um, these economic clusters, mm. which is, which seems to be the, the big new um, uh, thingamajig, the, 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 the big thinking. Let me read a little bit from the report itself. Um, success in one part of the country tends to breed further su success, and further investment tends to follow where money has already gone. We need to break this pattern, certainly not by preventing investment in successful businesses in the southeast, but by encouraging similarly self-reinforcing cycles of investment in all parts of the country. To do this, we must encourage the UK's powerful investors to widen their investments beyond and around London. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd like I'd like a, a party to promise to actually do something, not just to encourage some other fucking pricks who I wish were dead to do something instead. <laughs> do you know what I mean? 
Are we got to encourage the entrepreneurs? Are we encouraging them to grow as people and not exploit their fellow man? Because if not, <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> well, Starmer says that one of the things that this this report pledges to do is move 50,000 civil service jobs out of London. And we've seen little bits of this under Boris Johnson. You know, he moved the Treasury yeah. to Darlington, didn't he? 600 jobs there. And this has been floating around in the ether for, for a long time. You know, when I was a kid growing up in Derby, um, there was talk of moving something to do with the National Prison Service to Derby. And it was going to create all of these jobs and everything was going to be wonderful. And it was going to regenerate this uh, old railway siding. It never happened, but the railway siding eventually got regenerated anyway. But you know, Did they turn it into luxury flats by any chance? It became a gym and um, <laughs> at, um, at a soft play area and there are some flats on there was it a, was it a luxury gym and soft play this area this is Darby we're talking about look if, if they really want to coax people out of London what they need to do is it needs to be a gym soft play area where you can go as an adult have drinks in a ball pit because that's, that's as far as I understand it that's why people go to London I really thought Alistair you were going to say burn London down because that is usually your answer to most things <laughs> It's a very love-hate relationship with London. Like, there are things in London that are good. It's just all the other stuff. Just take those <laughs> I out. Just, I just really want to know whether it's a creepy soft play area or a wet soft play area, honestly. But maybe that's just It, it had windows. <laughs> so make that um, what you will. Uh, but what's the two choices okay. for a soft play area? Creepy or wet? <laughs> <laughs> It's yeah. I'm I'm referencing a, a meme, Jamie. Doesn't matter. I said, oh. Now I'm thinking of. Okay, a, like sorry. A, I'm not. I'm clearly not down with the youth. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm just thinking of a ball pit, but just filled you know with soft play areas, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, this is like it, to me. This is it, a. They're doing a contradiction in terms because they say, well, we have we have identified, and by we they also mean like McKinsey and the last Tory government. Like there's a whole bunch of people who have identified different numbers of these existing uh, uh, clusters. They mention some specific ones like um, cybersecurity and digital warfare in southern Wales. They mention something. I had it. Uh, ah, here. Uh, let me let me read you from the report. Think of Dundee, once world leading mm -hmm. in jute, as one of the international innovators in video games, responsible for Grand Theft Auto and Minecraft, with many more world-beating innovations possible with the right investment. Rob, sorry. Do you want to just quickly remind me how much um, investment and tax money companies that develop games like Grand Theft Auto have returned to Britain? Uh, less than zero, they get money from the government because of a series yeah. of Thank extremely well-designed tax breaks. Investment. Also, when, since when was since when was Minecraft created in Dundee? <laughs> I, I thought it was that Swedish racist that made it. <laughs> it yes, but um, I think maybe the studio is in Dundee or something. Who, who the hell knows? But like for me, so there's like two central problems. The first is yeah, Grand Theft Auto not a good example because Rockstar Games literally. I think by the last time we looked at this, they were paying zero taxes to the UK government. And yeah, they were like employing people. But this is the problem with the clustering thing is like, okay, so we want investment outside of London. We want it in new places. But the places they identify are the places where that or activity is already taking place, right? You know, mm -hmm. there's a couple of video games in, in Dundee. So you would empower Dundee Council to, I don't know, be, 
build more correct buildings or, or, or give tax breaks to some other video game company or make sure that video Can game I, uh, startups, you know, that, that it's you, you create like a Dundee Silicon Valley uh, uh, makeup. Sorry, oh, can I can cost. I come in here? Because this was this was annoying me and I just had to check. Right. Um, you know, I was talking about Minecraft being made in Dundee. Uh, turns out, no, it's 4G Studios Limited ported Minecraft to consoles and handheld platforms. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> that, that, that's the high watermark, you know, Grand Theft Auto, and then we ported this existing game to other platforms. That's it. That's the British games industry. I, I, feel, I feel like also naming Minecraft is just stealing the thunder of Zack and Tarn Adams. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the Rockstar thing and the clusters thing is part of this larger package that the re report calls for which is a new economy for a new britain new britain by the way is the sort of capstone slogan of the whole thing no. uh you know tory britain is old britain and new britain is new britain um i, I just want to say right now like when whenever one of these fuckers comes out and says oh yeah we've got a new political economy for britain no it's the exact same political economy but with just a slightly different like bell or whistle on it like it, you're not uprooting the entire fundamental comprehension of this country see all i hear when you say new britain right coming from labor is i just hear the tories going new labor new danger new britain and it just kind of it all rhymes as poetry i love it yeah so essentially the purpose of um new britain is they've they've done a whole bunch of, like polling and stuff to show that people across the uk uh, including scotland ireland and wales have similar values and things that they want to have better and all of these are encapsulated in new britain uh the purpose of which should be grounded in these shared values and aspirations that unite the people across the country uh blah 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 and the vision for this new britain goes something like this i've synthesized a little bit new britain is a union of nations where power is close to you and accountable and ensure you have a minimum standard of living this is done through spreading opportunity and jobs through regional clusters of connected industries the thing we were just talking about which are supported through westminster and local funding furthermore scotland wales and northern ireland which are now on the verge of fucking off will be drawn back into this wonderful union of nations of new britain through even more devolution and more home rule uh, slash self-government all of this will be underpinned through a new legally binding constitution-ish bit of lawmaking and the duty of care at every level of government and all the governments yeah, will more, work more better together more devolution for the uh for the constituent nations with the exception of being allowed to leave it <laughs> yeah i mean are we promoting synergy as well as part yes of we this? are yes yeah. um i because... for death <laughs> <laughs> I think you'll find, Jamie, that your death synergizes really well with New Britain. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Um, and the synergy, Jamie, in case you were... Uh, I know you're just you're dying to ask me, so I'm going to ask you anyway. Uh, the synergy comes from that Westminster for too long has had too much power, and if we devolve more power, but then the councils and Westminster and new like regional authorities or existing regional authorities would work better together, and the way they would do that, and they would be overseen by a revised uh, House of Lords, which is now a, oh, what is it again? Is it, Phil, is it the Council of Regions and Nations, or Nations yeah, and Regions? Yeah, I think that's what yeah. it's called. It is, yeah, some, something like that. Yeah. I've got, I've got, I've got a theory. So, the thesis of living in Britain, adjacent to the the antithesis of dying in Britain, synthesised as becoming a mindless, 
undead entity that is able to just work and toil endlessly. Well, it, 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 does well, that does that work? No, um, because um, uh, innovation, a genius which has characterized Britain over centuries, is the key to res- is the key to Britain restoring our prosperity in the twenty first century. So not necromancy then. Well, you know, advances in necromancy are part of innovation. <laughs> um, so yeah, so the thing is, like, so we would have all these devolved authorities and these regional economic clusters. And if you're asking, well, what, well, what would they do? Is they would uh, they like Labour slash McKinsey slash the Tory government slash the the some institutes have found like five. Um, new in new industries that they want to folk that they want these clusters and these localities to focus on to like spread jobs and opportunity and they are genetics one of which is necromancy okay well yes genetics exactly. yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, genetics ai um high value added manufacturing and 3d printing which is in, uh, i'm not really sure how that works as well as I, I've got, i'm not gonna lie rob these these could all fall under necromancy so i'm, I'm... <laughs> Uh, does does clean tech, clean green technology fall on as well? I yeah, mean, it sure, does why not? because necromancy is just technically healing, but you've done it too late. So it's absolutely like green technology these days. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we have too many corpses in fucking graves that we need to bring back so that they can continue their labor. I mean, I would argue that necromancy, if anything, is circular economy at its best. <laughs> <laughs> Reduce, reuse, recycle the dead. <laughs> yeah. exactly. Exactly. Re- reduce, reuse, recycle, reanimate. I think is the is the way to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, well, that's my next D and D campaign sorted. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, by getting all these clusters to do all these things, we will create the new economies, which, as we were talking about, create all this local wealth and also revitalize the high street. Because, of course, in order to revitalize the high street, you need people with high-paying jobs because they are the people who need. Uh, fancy coffee, uh, uh, frothy coffee, if you're uh, a candidate from Wales. <laughs> and and it would also revitalize the consumer economy because that's what we want. We want more consumer economy to get access to more of the thing. Um, and then, of course, like, so that's why would cap my question my central question with with all of this is why if if i'm an investor right or i'm i'm a big allocator of capital i'm a pension fund or or blackrock i'm i'm really you know i have billions of available uh, uh pennies to spend on good projects why would i invest in any of these places why would i go to to stoke on trent or, or scunthorpe or or wherever the hell or, or dundee for that matter instead of just saying well London, Oxford, and Cambridge already do all this stuff, and they seem to have a high level of, of success. And the people with the educations and the jobs are already there. Why would I bother moving myself out to the periphery? And I, it, I don't know, Phil, correct me if I'm wrong, is, but is I, the answer is the answer to that particular mystery because the government are going to pay you lots of money and subsidies and never actually ask you to build a factory? I think so. I mean, Phil, I'm I'm happy to stand corrected on this, but this is my end reading of this like it that's that's my central problem with this whole re redistributive thing which doesn't really seem to work yeah i think that i mean if they want to try and kind of generalize make london everywhere basically then it's not going to yes. work but i i think it's a bit more subtle than that it sounds like a, a starmer defender because 
you know, I don't, I really can't stand Keir Starmer and I hate his politics and, you know, he's, you know, he's, he's certainly not my choice. Um, but what I, what I kind of understand it by is, say, for example, in Stoke-on-Trent, you know, we've got here, the kind of the key industries here are the pot banks, which are still here. And you've had a progressive reshoring of the pottery industry over the last 10, 10, 15 years here. But it's been a jobless reshoring. So been all the jobs that went out to the Far East uh, 20, 30 years ago, you know, labour's ex- got too expensive back out there now. And so it's all coming back. All the production's coming back. And you're having massive automation of factories with only tiny numbers of people being employed. I think that it's going to basically, in Stoke-on-Trent, the council are going to be subsidising the local pottery industry even more and perhaps giving some money to the local, to local universities to, you know, help them with their biotech stuff and their video game stuff that they, they are currently on. And so it's about, you know, looking at the industries that are already exist in these places and basically offering them generous subsidies. That's how I would look at it. So in Derby, that would mean, you know, Rolls-Royce getting even more uh, subsidies to produce new nuclear reactors and more bombs and more aircraft engines and, and that sort of thing. But you no, know, I guess we'll see because if if my reading of this is correct and if Starmer is going to allow local authorities to be a bit more entrepreneurial, you're going to see some absolute car crashes of cases where you're going to have, you know, local town in local shire suddenly deciding that it, you know, it wants to be, I don't know, a hub for the space industry yes. and they're going to be spending loads of money trying to you know encourage students to fly their rockets off their fields and kind of set up their own little kind of starport and little <laughs> industry well we have that. identified and of course seven, it will be a seven disaster. starports across the uh uk in a previous episode <laughs> the uk space program <laughs> yeah so i mean that's that's pretty much how it's going to work and of course the other issue with this as well which of course the report glosses over is there are massive potentials for conflicts of interest when it comes to local councillors investing in their mates businesses yes. for having even more money to invest and they might have a kind of a Michelle Moan-esque relationship to some of these companies that the funds yes up I mean the, the thing yeah. that I was particularly thinking about which which I want to do a separate episode on is um, the things that have recently come out about Thurrock Council that have like wasted mm. like 850 million pounds on a guy who's just really well connected with the council director of finance and some of the people on the yeah. council so I've been thinking about this and um to me, right, so let's like back up a second, because initially we were talking about how Labour wants to encourage its bright young things to stay local by giving local mm. power and the power to make a difference. But forgive the deep cynic in me, but why do careerist politicians gravitate toward power? And ultimately it's because of a potential to be bribed. Like, we don't necessarily call it bribes. We say that mm. it's just influence. It's just paying, yeah. you know, 25 grand to be able to talk to Keir Starmer at a Labour conference or whatever. But that's kind of what it is. It, fundamentally, it's about them getting paid one way or another. And so, as I see it, if they devolve meaningful power to the local level, you're just going to get third council. And sure, you'll get bright young things will stick around, but will stick around so they can do a third council and find some way to kind of hand money to people who are friendly to them in a way that ends up if not in their direct pocket then in the pockets of someone close to them or someone in their class in a mm. i scratch your back you scratch mine kind of arrangement like that's the end point for it and how much, that's not um, to say, sorry go on jamie i was gonna say how much did you say they spent on this guy 
for his influence or whatever? I mean, they didn't spend it on his influence. They, it's a complicated story that I need to do my homework on to tell the story properly. But like, uh, they they have lost already something like eight hundred fifty million by investing in his companies. Fucking. I mean, if they wanted to bring a new digital economy to like New Britain, they could have spent that eight hundred fifty million on like FIFA packs or some shit. <laughs> it would Honestly, have done more. I'm, I'm not even joking when I say it would have been just as good. In fact, possibly even a better use of the money frankly because at least there'd be nominally something to show for it at the end it's how these things work you know it kind of boggles the brain really you know you know when i used to work for a labor mp i used to observe stoke-on-trent city council close up and it used to be the case that basically an ex- a new executive level officer would come in on a six-figure salary mm. and all of a sudden all of the kind of the um the things that they do little contracts that they have you know, like little consultancies so let's say for example you know, there was an, a, an issue with crime and joblessness in Stoke-on-Trent. Yeah. And so what they would do is they'd hire someone into kind of as a consultant to provide a, pre- a presentation to the senior officers. But these senior officers would have like groups of people around them who would then, you know, basically get the contract for providing those consultations and then deliver it to the council. So there was one particularly egregious case I was chatting to one of the stats blokes at the council where they wanted a presentation. They needed to know something about traffic flow in the city council. So they paid 20 grand to this consultant. And what this consultant did was, who was associated with one of the executives, was he came down to the stats department and said, give us all of your, uh, your data on the on local traffic. They handed over the data. The guy put it in a PowerPoint presentation and got 20 grand for it. You know, it's absolutely <laughs> incredible. The grift is amazing. Mm-hmm. And it is I mean, as simple this... as that. Is this is this not just representative of what Starmer's Britain would be? I mean, mm. we already know this is essentially what it is uh, at the moment. But St- I mean, Starmer's office has surrounded himself with just essentially. Well, I was going to say yes men, but they're not even yes men. They're just men that tell him what to say, and you know, uh, lobbyists and people who have extremely vested interests in private health, for example, and. Mm. You know, like, and then these people are essentially double dipping on not just the would, power that they, you know, through Keir Starmer would wield, but also on the, as you say, like the grift which comes with it. Would you, would you, would you yeah. perhaps say, I mean, Alistair, that um, nurturing the new economy will require better practical cooperation between the public and private sector, using the immense scale of our universities and health service in particular to promote innovation across our economy. Uh, <laughs> I know, I, mean, I know how we've be, not... It's going to be this, like, the Starmer's New Britain is going to run the same way as the current one. The only difference is going to be that to get, like, the fucking contract to give them, like, fucking shit PPE or whatever, instead of having to have run a pub that Matt Hancock frequents, you instead just, like, pay them cash. Or you run the pub that your local council visits. Because it's the same... You, <laughs> you're in the same ballpark. You just devolve the level at which the you know mates contracts takes place <laughs> all you're doing is changing the location of the pub yes essentially i mean yeah, in, no uh, i mean I, I think it's like the, the difference between like new labor and the tories is the tories hand out all the contracts to like just carve up the fucking country and like take away public money and everything they just hand that out based on like their old boys network whereas like new labor's radical like fucking do you know what i mean modern solution to that problem is to have it based purely on how much money they donate to the party 
and that makes it fair because then it's mer it's like based on a meritocracy because you, everyone knows you've got more money if you're just a better person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think Starmer's kind of really is sort of making a rod for his own back here because if it, if we can define Starmerism as a kind of a political project, what it is is basically modernising the state or at least giving the state uh, the appearance of a modern veneer. Yes. Yeah. So these the the kind of the the program that. Gordon Brown set out for him does superficially appear to modernise the British state, get rid of the centralisation, and you know putting economic powers lower down. But because Starmer is a very sort of a managerial character, a very uptight character, you know you can't. You know, he 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 wants to be seen to be doing things properly. So if his basically his program ends up resulting in you know, a springtime for corrupt officials, corrupt councillors and any any old grifter in the land. That leaves him incredibly politically vulnerable because, you know, he puts all of his political capital into this, you know, I'm a, you know, as Tony Blair put it, I'm a pretty straight guy. You know, that's oh. how Starmer... Oh. Kind of, Sorry, yeah, I just, I had, that's how like, Starmer I markets had, himself. Wow, I had historical <laughs> shivers. That's, um. that's an extremely cursed <laughs> phrase. <laughs> I can't imagine, like, what the on-the-ground impact of this kind of shit would be like been men but they have scrum meetings now <laughs> <laughs> well no no, no, it'll, it, be, no, no. it'll be like um it'll be like the fucking the, the high the heydays of tony blair's new deal it'll be like you know agricultural and computing colleges behind the bus station again <laughs> yeah <laughs> Fuck you, <laughs> training the it... next generation of wi-fi enabled dry stone wall builders <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I mean, I, yeah, I think that is more likely because this this whole report and everything around it is very much like structured around like you know the the new whizzy tech sectors and and innovation and all that stuff. So like it's very much geared where these people are geared themselves, which is university graduates, you know, with sort of with startup ideas. Like bin men are are far too like low down the the ladder. Like that's yeah, not. But this, if it was if it was yeah. Wi-Fi enabled bin men. <laughs> then you'd be talking. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> An app on your phone that tells you that the bin men are coming tomorrow. We've done it. We've cranked it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I do think that that's kind of like, especially where, where, you, where you where they're talking about this this whole decentralization thing. Like, I don't think necessarily like purely, you know, in the sort of in the theory crafting realm. I I, I think like getting some measure of power and some level of the like britain is a weirdly centralized country like whitehall runs mm -hmm. incredible amounts of everything like i think a level of decentralization mm -hmm. and you know would that were a political party that was dedicated to you know freeing some parts of it uh you know that 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 were that that's not a bad idea i think frankly that's a there's 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 much to be said for it but i i have extreme doubts as to whether or not given Starmer and his associates running this party, whether or not they would actually be able to do it in such a way. And and part of the reason I think they won't, and Phil, this is also partly what you wrote on your mm. blog, is that they are firmly committed to being trapped in um, capitalist realism. And while I don't want to sort of yeah. go on and on about 2019, <laughs> but the difference between a sort of Corbyn-led decentralization would have been that they would have given the state the resources to do things in-house and then empowered the workers to do it themselves rather than just have this be yet another public-private cooperation horseshit mechanism. 
Yeah, that's right. You know, this what what drove you know what Corbyn was all about and what Corbynism was all about was you know it's pushing labor laborism to its limits to you know democratizing society basically allowing the powers of labor to fully assume their own powers. Where of course Starmer is just is managerial um, you know technocracy. That's what he's interested in, and I think also. That, kind of returning a little bit to the decentralization stuff i think there's an element of statecraft here too in the sense that if he can kind of push down a lot of economic policy from the top to local authorities or to metro mayors that means that his government get off the hook when it comes to you know bad local decisions and that sort of thing it's the local politicians that are to blame you remember that george osborne you know he was hailed as a political genius because he you know by making cuts fall harder on Labour councils. He believed that the local local people would blame Labour councils for the cuts rather than the government. And to a degree, they that did. happened. So likewise, yeah. yeah. We love a scapegoat in this country. <laughs> yeah, and so I think a similar thing's going on here with, with Starmer as well, because of course Tory councils won't necessarily be massively interested in doing a lot of the um, investing in stuff. They'll just be lose their money to, I don't know, offer even lower council tax and that kind of thing. Yeah. And that means that those areas will empty of younger people. There'll be, you know, population driven, all kinds of problems, but he wouldn't get the blame for it. And so I think this is, you know, it's about insulating Starmer from some of the economic failures that are going to, that are likely to happen over the course of the next 10, 15 years or so. But maybe I'm just overthinking it, but there will be that element of statecraft in there somewhere. I mean, well, it make I, our jobs a lot easier because we can we'll be able to sit here and go, no, it's actually this cunt's fault. <laughs> I mean, so I, I although the, interestingly uh, on on that topic, not to delve too deeply into it, one of the things they do promise in terms of like the devolution, especially to Wales, Northern Ireland, and Scotland, is to say that uh, members of the Senate and the SNP should get the same uh, like parliamentary like security protections mm. as Westminster MPs do now, and I'm like. Are you bribing them with having their own security guards? It's just such a weird thing of the like. It's mm. a part of like the new sort of constitutional arrangements uh, section. I think um, I don't think it's necessarily bribing them. I think it's like God help me here. It's but, inflating um, their status, isn't it? Yes, yes. Well, it's, it's, it's inflating the status, and it's also genuinely like if they do essentially a kind of devolution. Um, you know, devolving power, not in the, you know, necessarily the political sense that we're currently familiar with it, then, you know, Westminster MPs are really paranoid that they're all going to be shot or knifed or whatever. Like, this is a genuine thing that I consistently hear from my contacts down in Westminster, that they're all, like, super paranoid these days. So I think a large part of this is them going, well, clearly, if they have power, they will be equally disliked too. So I think it's more kind of, like, probably on that end. I think partly, I think partly that is what it is, but I just, uh, for me, it was more such a weird detail for for them to, to pick out on. But mm. I do want to spend like um, a little bit of time uh, in terms of the, like the, the constitutional stuff is, is in, in one of their other big ideas is to talk about what they want to do with the House of Lords, um, which like, all right, first up, yes, the House of Lords is a giant corrupt mess that doesn't work and it should be replaced. Like, that's an entirely correct opinion. I have just, like, no problems with it. Although, what I found really funny about, like, the way they write about it is they write about it. They do this throughout the whole report, by the way. They write about it as if everything that's gone wrong in Britain and why everything is as shit as it is, is they just say, oh, it's the past 10 years. It's the Tories. And it's like, 
specifically the house of the last house of lords reform you know they they mentioned specifically we've talked about it in an old order episode is um they say one of the things that's completely unjustified is that there's two still 92 hereditary peers sitting there and i'm like but that was the blair reform like the last house of lords reform that made it the mess it now is with the patronage system and the pm essentially being able to elevate anybody they want is the Blair reform, but that's never said. Like, none of the problems in this report are ever older than 10 years. Like, Britain was pure and clean until, like, let's say 12 years ago. Yeah, you remember back to the leadership election um, in the in the Labour Party following the 2019 defeat. And, you know, and one of Keir Starmer's lines was that, you know, I'm not going to criticise the previous uh, Labour government and I'm not going to criticise Jeremy Corbyn. So he was trying to kind of, you know, appear equidistant between between the camps in order to get votes. It's funny uh, which one of them he decided to drop. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But of course, he's not going to criticise or draw attention to what happened under the previous Labour government because he sees himself both in terms of the slogans and in terms of a lot of the personnel as well as the continuation of yeah. the, uh, the 97-2010 Labour government. You know, he's picking up where... Gordon Brown left off. I, I was going to say, this, I mean, you, Gordon Brown is the main author of this report as well. So, like, clearly mm. he's not going to say, oh, yeah, something was wrong between 1997 and 2010. You know, like, clearly he's not going to say that. And it's no. also just farcical on its face because whatever, whatever, I mean, you know, don't trust a word that comes out of Keir Starmer's mouth, but saying that he's going to continue where Tony Blair left off is bullshit because he's going to just pick up where fucking Rishi Sunak and Boris Johnson and mm. David Cameron and all the rest of them left off because it's exactly what his starting point is going to be because, I mean, it's, you know, it is tried to say there is no difference between the Tories and Labour at this point, but what is the material difference? What material difference will there be from Keir Starmer versus a Tory government at the next election? Very little. Well, I mean, in, in, in a literal sense, they, they he would have to start from the same material, you know, reality you know Matt, oh, yeah yeah starmer makes his own history but not in an environment of his own choosing but uh you know it's it's um but to, to get to get back to the the house of lords thing is like so right so the house of lords is very bad we should replace it and the new house of lords would be a uh, a council of regions and what was it again god help me nations, nations. and regions um <laughs> And it would be sort of very similar in scope and ability as the current House of Laws, uh, Lords. So it has no role in forming a government. It can't make decisions on taxation. It's not able to reject legislation. So like it would be constrained in a similar way as the old one should, except for like two important carve outs. The first would be is the House of Lords, the new one, which would have like 200-ish members, um, would be like a sort of... Um, an ethics oversight for the House of Commons. They would st stand for and and force <laughs> standards <laughs> in public life. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. How 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 many of these other fucking ethics boards, bodies, or whatever that have existed just well, only ever done their fucking job when they've actually had that they've had their nose to the fucking grindstone. Well, I, I, yeah, I'm sure there'll be a ton of difference with that. I mean, again, tangentially speaking, but like they all, this report goes on at length. They special, they, they reference Michelle Moan and then like other events very specifically. But you know, I, I I'm old enough to remember Cash for Honors. You know, like this this was not yeah, this yeah. this level of corruption is not a new thing that arose out of out of the last ten years. So you know, so but briefly as an aside, also on when you say 
when you say it's going to be a council of nations and regions, yes, does like I, I says that just Scotland just gets one thing and Wales gets one thing and then like British regions get a thing each, like uh, English regions I should say. Sorry. Yeah, there's some sort of quota system, isn't there? They, oh no, about, no there's certain competences. Is there? I, I couldn't. I couldn't find this. I couldn't find the composition yeah, they haven't, of this thing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they haven't said what the composition would be. They obviously oh, that would be okay. something to be consulted on. But I think the the intention is that there'll be quotas, perhaps based on the old European Union election constituencies. <laughs> and, uh, okay. Oh, Keir Starmer's trying to get us to emulate the, the European <laughs> Parliament. You heard it here yeah, first. Yeah, we say folks. that. But of course, that is what you know. The Daily Express will certainly run with that. Yeah. And also, because imagine that makes like sense a, to like, do that. And also imagine like a new House of Lords where much like the European Union, we sent like the most Brexity people and they had the majority <laughs> in that chamber. You know, because like, because <laughs> you would be required as a citizen, I guess. I mean, again, the makeup and how this thing is put together is very, very unclear. But like you would, you the citizen would presumably at some point have to vote for people who sit in this chamber or 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 they'd yeah. get appointed like it's really unclear but like if you're voting on you a second do it like jury duty <laughs> i shudder to think <laughs> we need to do. go we need to go back to an- the ancient greek modality of uh, democracy just yeah, have they- <laughs> literally every mp is just plucked like jury duty from the public but oh, did i, thought did I imagine it was it was there some? Was there an? Was there something about citizens' juries? In there this? is something about citizens' assemblies in it, which mm. is one of my most That's hated it, yeah. things. Um, <laughs> citizens' jury sounds like some really severe like, victim payback scheme or something. Oh, those uh, no, but those we're going to get as well. That's not part of this, oh, but that's part I, I of know. the crime reform thing. Yeah, yeah, that's the 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 the, the oh, good grief. yeah. Um, I, I said this last week about this fucking regions and nations thing. It is the biggest cell phone you could possibly do to say one Scotland is worth X amount of English regions. Yeah. I can't think <laughs> of a better way to shoot yourself in the dick politically in Scotland, a place where you're very certain that you actually do deserve all those votes and they will come back eventually. He's but isn't wrong. there also something about them giving the nations enhanced yes privileges within the system yeah yeah so oh, like yeah, in, yeah they so, get a special parking space and a free ice cream on tuesdays <laughs> <laughs> a special security guard to stand next to the special boy car um first pick of the courses at the bus center education center yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh i've skipped over the stuff about the uh, job center but um yeah uh, so like the oh, no. <laughs> um the stuff about the house of houses lords so like but so they would enforce the standards in, in public life along with um alistair if you're curious there would be a separate um ethics commissioner that cannot be fired by the <laughs> prime minister and they would have the power to so like they would just it would just be more boards more people doing more pieces of paper and that way you create a more ethical society um yeah that's an that's a new Labour way, though, isn't it? You remember that, you know, one of the things that Tony Blair and Gordon Brown did was they didn't fundamentally change the post-war, you know, the post-Thatcherite settlement. But what they did do is they introduced loads of quangos, loads of bureaucracy to, you know, to regulate and to manage these new marketized relationships that exist. And this is a kind of a return to type, a return to type for Starmer. Yeah. Uh, so and and so the other thing that that, that they would uh, be able to do is, is as like an active 
power is to be a control mechanism to ensure like a new series of social rights are enforced across the country uh, and judge whether or not the government of the day is actually making opportunities real across the country. So all the stuff that we talk about with the clustering what? and the spreading of opportunity, the House of Lords will be able to write a report and say, no, you're not spreading opportunity enough. This this <laughs> genuinely sounds like those fucking like Nimrods on TikTok who say you should like expose your anus to the sun every morning to power <laughs> up or whatever. Are you are you making opportunities real across the country? Yes. <laughs> yeah, fuck all that noise. Why don't we just have a referendum every like two years on whether to to dissolve the government? That would that would really shake things up. <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely think that we're closer to having the government decide to dissolve the people at the moment. But you know, um, it's um, <laughs> so and they would and they would also because they're now instead of the House of Lords, they are the uh, Council of Regions and Nations. Um, it they would. Um, be the main chamber where reporting for all the new intergovernmental councils that they're going to establish, they would also go there. So there would be more councils to do more paper shuffling, which is also, if you think about it, this whole thing is incredible, is they don't seem to want to, like, remove any layers of bureaucracy or, like, make things, yeah. you know, they just want to add more layers because, again, that's that's jobs for the, for the, for the white-collar people, uh, Phil, that you were talking about at the start. You know, yeah. and just again, it's the, if we just write more reports and everybody watches each other all the time, we will have a good society. I see. You remember when uh, Starmer was the director of public prosecutions? You know, his main thing was being an you know an effective administrator. He kind of redesigned the the rules of the of how the how the organisation operated more more meetings, more kind of staff training, all, all of that kind of stuff. And this is his programme for the DPP writ large, but on the on the you know on the surface of the British state. It's always good when a guy has like one trick and he just <laughs> tries it everywhere he fucking goes. Doesn't matter what it is, it worked once, it'll work again, it's fine. So yeah, uh, as part of this this um House of Lords reform package and, and the new sort of um, the way they want to keep, and I'm trying to keep the door to Scott Paul sort of slightly closed, um, but like the way they want Good. to uh, to to, um, <laughs> to keep Scotland inside the house uh, is essentially by giving them new ways of benefiting from the union, which is, I don't know, Phil, maybe I read it wrong, but it's just Devo Max, right? This is just more devolution of yeah. powers, um, including, weirdly enough, like... In, in some scenarios, they would allow Scotland to not, like, join the EU itself, but to join, like, EU subsidiary bodies, like the Erasmus program or something, if they wanted to. Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. Off. You can take yeah, the so, dog skiing again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, kind of like some very little kind of international agreements the Scottish government will be able to enter into. But I also think as well that part of this particularly the kind of the stuff about empowering local councils is designed also to create a little bit of friction between the Scottish government and their local authorities in yes. Scotland yes. as well and kind of create a new area of kind of, of argy-bargy and uh, recrimination, which they think will, you know, will tear down the SNP over time, will wear down the SNP over time and allow, you know, a kind of a shiny new, new Scottish Labour to kind of zoom back to pole position resume its rightful place as the kind of designated <laughs> leader of scotland 
Yeah. The SNP's already doing the slow crawl towards the the wall of fuck all's happening anymore and look <laughs> elsewhere. So I'm fairly certain they'll be able to outmaneuver whatever fucking horribly radical reactionary fucking tendency takes over that vacuum. <laughs> I mean, the, uh, the, the, they did have the following fucking incredible line when they're talking about um, uh, Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland in particular. Uh, let me read you this little bit. This is from the start of this whole section about more de devolution. The United Kingdom, as a voluntary nation of nations, is unique in the world. Over centuries, it has delivered enormous benefits for each of its constituent nations, period. Declaration over. <laughs> 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 imperialism is a benefit for some yes <laughs> i mean the highland clearances were a benefit for some you know the potato famine mm -hmm. was a benefit for some i guess mm -hmm. <laughs> people are saying that britain is good <laughs> <laughs> so yeah essentially like they would try to buy off like especially scottish independence but they also talk about wales and northern ireland but essentially just like giving them a bigger version of home rule within this sort of quasi-federalized Britain. But that is still fundamentally controlled from the center, from London, but now with like, yeah, yeah more empowered. So it's like, if you're a nationalist, why don't you give up your nationalism in exchange for a more empowered local council? I think that's some, and the ability to, mm. to join Erasmus and go fuck off to six year, for six months to a university in France or something. I think that's sort of how the deal goes. Yeah, if you become absorbed in the local admin structures, you'll become too busy trying to, I don't know, buy out the local bus company and get more routes on, on the uh, on the bus timetable to start thinking about, you know, independence for your for your nation or, or, or anything more radical than that. So, yeah, this is very much kind of written into this constitution. It's about getting people into the technocratic game. And then once they're in there, they're not, not going to want to leave because they're really into like you know managing all these budgets and looking at all these spreadsheets and again putting on those hard hats and go to the construction sites. Yeah, yeah. People tried to do this with me for Eve Online, and then it was all spreadsheets. I'm not buying this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've had to very briefly talk about uh, to, just to return to this this localization for for one more bit, and then we'll uh, wrap up and sort of move to to conclusions. But like the. Of course, the big question, the, the other big question amidst all this talk of devolution, whether you're talking about Scotland or Wales or Scunthorpe or, or, or Stoke or, or the Manchester mayoral combined authority, is just like, right, so how how did they, where's the money going to come from? So part of it is just a shifting of literal budget from, from Westminster back to the local councils or the local authorities. Um, the other part is, uh, and they're not going to do this in like current ways, which is like one-year cycles. They're going to extend it to three-year cycles, which is, you know, much better. That really gives uh, councils the space to try some new things. There are going to be block grants, blah, 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 blah. But the most important thing is, uh, because we were just mentioning buses, is the following paragraph. Additional, brackets, local investment is also badly needed in infrastructure, so like buses, which we talked about. Uh, and here again, the private sector can play a leading role, notably in properly structured partnerships in which private enterprise can apl apply investment disciplines to the delivery of new infrastructure assets alongside public investment and provision. Now, if you're wondering what that is, that's the fucking, that's, it's PFI necromancy. <laughs> it's fucking I back. Like how the, 
We're talking about uh, empowering local councils and everything, and just the Preston model just absolutely never has come up, and never will come up because it is tinged with the, the, yeah. the well, miasma of being Preston, vaguely left-wing. Preston should have simply started charging extra through private companies for car parking. <laughs> yeah. I mean, essentially what this is, like, this is just pothole rentierism. Like, yeah, you can get, like, your your roads cleaned up, but then they're part owned by Circo or some shit, you know, and then, you, you know, and, and and then they would have to, local councils would have to raise more taxes to pay back the PFI thing. So, like, again, this is just, like, this terrible, terrible system where I don't think it's going to, like, it's going to win anything. And sort of let's to move towards wrapping this up because i wanted to talk a bit about like the way like all this stuff this whole report has sort of landed and like already you saw i think it was uh uh yesterday or something uh ed balls was on the television warning starmer not to make too many big promises they can't keep and then starmer was on television i think today saying that yeah the house of lords reform is sort of more like a a long-term project and not something we're desperately keen to you know implement in the straightaway so like already i think anything that was like remotely um radical in this which is not a radical report is already being just like eaten alive and and i don't know phil what 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 you is like what do you think let's say starbuck gets into power with a reasonable majority what of this remains in practice House of Lords. Hard to say. I mean, the the thing is with the House of Lords thing is that it's a very handy tool for Labour leaders to kick upstairs, you know, MPs that might otherwise give them hassle on the on the back benches. Not like from a kind of a left wing standpoint, obviously, but you know, kind of right wing complainers and moaners and people that just get in his way and will cramp the leader's style. And we've seen Starmer do that. He's, he's done that on a number of occasions with some uh, right-wingers, whether they're in Parliament or outside of Parliament. And so with that tool of patronage now gone, I suppose he can say that, you know, if you behave yourself, we'll put you at the top of the list for voting into the new council hmm. of the regions and the nations. And so there's an element of patronage there. But I think that there will be some backlash because, as you know, there there's nothing more constitutionally cretinous than a backbench Labour MP who, you know, unlike the Tories, appear to genuinely love the um, the traditions and uh, everything that is associated with the House of Commons. So of all of the things... How dare you talk risk, about Chess Phillips like that? <laughs> no, it's the House of Lords reform that is most at risk. I think everything else that, we'll, that we'll, we've talked about today We'll go through precisely for the reasons that we've described. Well, we've said they're not, you know, these are not great ideas. Precisely because it offers a new way for capital to fill its pockets on the state dollar. That it's bound to happen, basically. Yeah, and and to sort of finish it up, I I, I think you know we we started talking about the Labour Business Conference and it being oversubscribed and you know people paying twenty five k for the for the platinum ticket to have a chance to meet with like a shadow minister and, and like get shout outs from the podium i think 25k you know on the off chances that this thing works out 25k is a very small amount of money to get in early and getting good with you know not just like the dwp or, or like whichever element because all the whitehall ministries will be in here right you know and and they'll all want to get in here in in some way so like 
25k is such a small price of entry so when labor now talks about oh it's so good like big business is flocking to us and this is a sign that we are now a credible bunch of people it's because capital you know 25k is is chump change like yeah it's charging fucking pennies why why bother like why, why not take the chance why not just go for it yeah it makes sense I, I, yeah. Funnily enough, the only way that fucking they've actually had any sort of good ideas here is on how to easily sell thing to people with money. Yeah, stick with what you know. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So yeah, um, I mean, uh, Phil, I want to leave any any final thoughts of this uh, this episode uh, to you, and and if if you're finalised, then feel free to plug your blog and any other things you uh, want our delightful audience to be aware of. Yeah, sure. You know. Um, I do, sadly, I'm kind of grown obsessed with uh, Keir Starmer and also with the Conservative Party as well. And on my blog, which is uh, called All That Is Solid, just Google it, it's at the top. Uh, also known as a very public sociologist, it's former name. Um, you know, I, 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 I write about these horrors nearly every day and somehow I've managed to remain a relatively balanced and well-humoured individual. Um <laughs> Appearances so, uh, on this we've podcast, being well balanced right out the window. <laughs> yeah. so one thing, though, one thing, though, one thing that always mystifies me when it comes to um, politicians accepting money, and you just touched on it from from companies, is how ridiculously cheap politicians are in this country. Yes, you, know, you pay you pay someone a thousand pounds, and they will ask a question for you in the House of Commons. They'll you know they'll go into gymnastics for you. Um, you know, pay 25k as you say, and you get a, an audience with Keir Starmer. You know, this is ridiculous. You look at the professionals, look at the United States, where you know, congressmen there they take tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars for you to kind of have a sit down chinwag with them for five years. yeah if you so, want a piece of legislation say something about britain that our elite are so cheap yeah in in the in the u.s if you want a piece of legislation like you are gonna have to employ like a number of very large sons like that's just kind of the given you know let's uh, whereas here it's just yeah it's pennies it's just it's embarrassing was did did matt was it matt hancock who got uh essentially bought off by going <laughs> like a 300 pound ticket to uh, like a horse race yes he did <laughs> <laughs> but then he does also, represent new markets, so that's kind of ex- to be expected. It's also like, you know, the Imperial Corps that sets like trading rules for a significant portion of the world. It's got more power, so of course it's going to be more expensive. Whereas backwater turf normal island, like what are you really <laughs> buying? You get what you pay for. I mean, it's still like the seventh <laughs> largest economy in the world, you know, and the government still creams off a, a bit off the top. You know, like it's 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 still like it's 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 pennies on the dollar, which I think, or pennies on the pound, I should I should say, pennies on the euro. Um, but yeah, like uh, I don't know. I think if you're looking at this, if you're looking, if you're if you're like a, a an unengaged voter, or or you're like a sort of melty person on Twitter, and like if this is the strength of the argument because we were told last year and the year before that you know it's too soon to deliver big policy and you know we can't really do any of that and if this is the big policy piece then i'm just like i'm i'm you know i'm still not convinced labor's going to win the next election and i'm still not convinced they'll, if they win they won't win on the back of of this or any other substantive argument they'll just win it on the back of the tories having after 12 or 15 years finally run out of fucking road and I just having fucked the dog so bad, so like. Are you uh, are you saying you're insufficiently whelmed by this? <laughs> After reading 155 pages of it, my my whelming is less than you might expect. 
Even lower than that, wow. <laughs> I mean, Phil, how's your level of whelm? Um, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's kind of gone through the floor, basically. Um, yeah. Yeah. Two out of ten, would not whelm again. What would be interesting is is what Keir Starmer, when Keir Starmer puts some more flesh on the bones about his attitude towards uh, trade unions, because I've been writing about that recently as well, because his role for trade unions will fit very much in whatever model or modernisation of the state. Is he going to go back to the corporatist regime of the of the continental Europeans in the post-war period? Well, obviously we'll have to wait and see, but that's beyond the scope of this podcast. Yep. Um, so I think that'll do us for yet another episode of Podcasting is Praxis. Um, Phil, thank you so very much for, for coming on. Um, it's been a real pleasure. You're welcome. It's a- it's a relief not to have to talk about Tories for a change, or at least Tories in blue. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we'll do that next time, uh, if you want. Uh, David, shall we Shall we plug our things then? Yeah, let's do that. Um, so, you can get bonus episodes at patreon.com forward slash praxiscast. You can see us doing streams on Wednesdays and Thursdays at twitch.tv forward slash praxiscast. You can buy merch if you so want. It is called Buy a Hoodie which is praxiscast.tml.com. And that is all from us. We will have episodes coming throughout um, the festive period. Um, in fact, we're just off to record the episode, which is going to be released on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day um, for patrons. So if you would like to have a little bit extra... Yeah, um, if you we'll would like some distraction about... from your disgusting uncle. Um, unless... Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we're talking about a good Die Hard film and a bad Die Hard film because it's Christmas. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so if you would like that episode it will be on the Patreon patreon.com forward slash praxiscast and all I've got left to say there is thank you very much again Phil my pleasure quick question <laughs> uh, I was going to ask Phil did you have anything that you wanted to advertise other than your blog um, I was going to mention my book and if you're wondering for uh, a present for that annoying conservative voting relative uh, might I be so humbled to recommend my book, Falling Down, The Conservative Party and the Decline of Tory Britain, which recounts in excruciating detail the decline and fall of the Conservatives and how it's going to be incredibly difficult for them to ever form a government again. Excellent. There yeah, um, there you go. Um, a, a book which we will happily not feature on this podcast because it will actually be good. Yeah, thereby ruling it out forever. (laughs) All right, bye-bye. Cheerio. Bye, everyone. See ya. See ya.